friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Friday, September the 2nd. And wherever you are, whenever you are listening to this, I wish you God's grace. I wish you God's life. I wish you God's goodness today. Thank you for being with me as we look to the readings this coming weekend and we open ourselves uh, to the Holy Spirit's presence and see what God has for us and where God is inviting us uh, through the Word this coming weekend. Now, this coming weekend, it is the 23rd Sunday of Ordinary Time. Uh, what I've chosen after looking at the readings is simply to focus on the gospel. I think that's mostly what I would have talked about anyway. So I'm going to focus and only read the gospel today. So today's pod may be a, be a little bit shorter because we're only hearing one reading. And that gospel, again, you're going to hear it this weekend. I'm going to read the New American Translation, so it'll be the exact same one. But it'll be the 14th chapter of Luke, which we've been in now, gosh, at least the second week, if not the third. We're going to read Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 33. Now, as always, my friends, I invite you to simply open yourselves as we hear the Word of God and, uh, and say, okay, Holy Spirit, is there a word, is there a phrase, is there an idea with which you want me to focus upon? And uh, invite that word, that phrase, that idea to sit upon your heart. And when that does, that's God's way of saying, hey, this is where I want you to chew on. This is where I want you to meditate on. This is what I want you to struggle with. This is what I want you to look at from all sides or to carry with you in whatever way. And let the Spirit open up your heart, open up your being, and let that word come upon you in a new way. Okay? With that said, my friends, let's break open God's word. Again, Luke 14, verses 25 to 33. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlookers should laugh at him and say, this one began to build what, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king, marching into battle, would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we to make of that? It's a striking reading, right? And let me kind of put a juxtaposition right away. Uh, 
the first line. I mean, it's almost a throwaway. We don't even think about it. Um, great crowds were traveling with Jesus. Now, when I was growing up, Jesus Christ Superstar, every Good Friday, that is what we would listen to all the time. And, and the movie came out, you know, gosh, so this is dating myself, came out early 70s, and we would watch that too. And so I get that vision in my head of Jesus walking across the desert, surrounded by this throng of people. You know, there's even a song about it all the time when people are coming up out of the woodwork, basically, asking to be healed, you know. And, uh, and, and people coming to him, almost like, indeed, hence the, the tongue-in-cheek name, I think, of the, of the entire uh, musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. He's a superstar, and, and everybody wants to be a part of a superstar, right? I mean, it could be Elton John walking across there in the early 70s. It could be, you know, you pick your, your artist at whatever date or time, and a throng of people is going to follow. Why? Because the superstar... Uh, 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 in whatever genre, whether that's in music or, or movies or, or athletics or, or whatever it is that we would follow, they don't ask a lot of us, right? Except our adulation. And so here Jesus is with a throng of people. And juxtapose that, brothers and sisters, with the line that he says. It's almost like he looks at them, realizes they're there, to be a part of something pretty darn cool. Wow, this guy is really a quote-unquote superstar. I want to be as close to him as possible because then somehow that makes me look good, you know? And Jesus is saying, I'm not interested in that at all. I'm not interested in your adulation. I'm not interested in being uh, whatever it is that you think I am. So I'm going to give you a dividing line. And if there's ever dividing lines within the gospel, brothers and sisters, wouldn't this be one of them? Jesus turns to the crowd and says, if any one of you come after me without hating your mother or father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even their own life, they cannot be my disciple. That is striking, is it not? without hating our mother, father, our wife, our children, our brothers, our sisters, our own life. What do we hold more dear than those things Jesus just put right there? You know, it's interesting. When I was doing my research there, uh, one theologian said, you know what? Even that word hating has it wrong, that it's not a, a correct and good translation in their understanding of the word, and of course it was written in Greek, but the idea is rather Jesus is saying, if anyone comes to me without being indifferent to their mother, father, wife, children, brothers, sisters, even their own life. I mean, isn't that in a sense even worse? Because hate is at least a strong emotion, very close to love, right? Um, uh, it just flipped on its, on its heels. But indifferent is a long way away. Indifferent is, is something that I'm like, it's not even worth my time. It's not even worth my energy. It's not even worth my interest. If any one of us is not willing to cross that dividing line 
we are not worthy of the gospel. Then Jesus says, whoever does not carry their own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Now remember, okay, so this is just kind of an aside. This is Luke writing to a, a Gentile community. Okay, that's we know that Luke has done that. Matthew wrote to a Jewish community, not Luke. Luke was writing to a Gentile community, writing probably, let's say, 75 or 80 A.D. So let's say 45 to 50-ish years after the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus. And not, I don't want you to be scandalized by this. The word that we said is true. The word that Jesus just said is true. However, Luke most likely put this word into the mouth of Jesus because Jesus probably wouldn't have used the image of the cross at the time. Probably is something that, I mean, it's, it's, I, I think, use it this way. It's a hint. It's a hint that Luke is, is writing now directly to you and I, the followers of Jesus that are reading this gospel and, and Jesus is speaking directly to us because we know the end of the story, right? We know the whole idea of Jesus carrying the cross. And he's putting that same um, mission, that same um, stance, that same uh, sacrifice into, into our, uh, not only our vocabulary, not our only, our, 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 you know, presence, I mean, Jesus's mission and ministry must be our own. Okay, Joe, so how do we make sense of, of all this? Um, let me say a couple of things. And the first is this. Sorry, I'm kind of scatterbrained today. I'm kind of feeling it. Uh, and so I apologize if this is, is kind of jumping all over the place too. Um, toward the end of the gospel, Jesus uses that wonderful image of saying, hey, listen, which one of you is going to construct a tower? But you, wouldn't you first sit down and make sure that you have enough resources to complete it? Or, or you know, basically so you don't start it, and then it's a monument to your own foolishness, right? Because you get it halfway done, and, uh, and every time somebody goes by there and says, can you imagine that, Joe? Look, he started that, didn't have the wherewithal to look, think it all the way through, uh, only did it halfway. Doesn't that look foolish? Or, and then he uses, uh, Jesus uses the imagery of the, uh, the, the armies too, saying the same thing. I think there are two lessons for us today. Well, probably a whole lot more. Let me kind of sit with two. And the first is this. I think every one of us, brothers and sisters, um, has probably started projects that we didn't complete. I wish all of you, if this were, were you know, done uh, via FaceTime or done via, you know, Marco Polo or done via Zoom or, or, or whatever other social media, I could take you to my workshop and I could show you different projects that I have begun that I didn't finish. The piece of furniture that is going to be stripped or repainted. Um, the, the, I mean, I mean, you name it, right? The room that we wanted to paint, so we started. Or we started moving and cleaning a room, but I just ran out of energy. Or I started weaving the garden, and it was just too hot of a day, and I never got back to it. Or ad infinitum, right? We all have those, whatever they are. 
that we didn't have the resources to finish. And those resources may not have been financial. They may have been a, a physical one, an energy, or uh, the excitement that with which we began the project uh, it faded. And so we just never got around to it. And again, those things are monuments, even if just to us, that remind us that you didn't do it. And what our God is saying is, brothers and sisters, I'm not interested in, in you being halfway at all, right? I quoted that gospel from uh, Luke before, gosh, last week, two weeks ago, not long ago, where Jesus talks about that idea of lukewarm, right? We all know what that means. My friends, our God is not interested in us being Catholic, Christian, in name only. He's not interested in us being cultural Christians. He's not interested even in us being Christians who are churchgoers on Sunday and, uh, and don't carry that out of that mass. Uh, and uh, as, we, as you know, go and live the gospel with your lives as we're invited to do by the deacons, right? That we think, oh, those are, those are great words, but I'm going to leave it right there because I'm going to go live my own life. Brothers and sisters, our God is not interested in that. He's interested in one thing, really and only one thing, and that's everything. And that's everything. And, and you and I have to make that decision. I mean, almost every day, right? Almost every moment of every day, several times a day, whatever that is, that says, am I in or am I not? And again, I think that's one of those. Now, I don't want to project this onto God, but, but using that same idea that hate is closer to love than indifference is, that I think God would rather us be honest with God and say, I am just not interested in this life of faith at this moment because I do not have the energy. I do not have the wherewithal. I do not have the wisdom. I do not have the, uh, the vision. I do not have whatever it's going to take for me to walk that. I think God would be much more pleased and could work with that. Why? Because we're being honest. And I think God can work with honesty. But I don't think God can get through indifference. I don't think God can get through masks. I don't think God can get through a, a fake smile or, or play acting that I'm going to go and I'm going to put up my airs and I'm going to do it not only to me, because, boy, if I can fool myself, I can fool a whole lot of people. I'm not going to do it only to my family. I'm not going to do it only to my coworkers or to my community or my neighbors or whoever it is that think I'm this good, upstanding, you know, whatever it is. I'm not going to try to fool God. I think our God is inviting us to be on either side of that dividing line. Do you want to be with God because you think, boy, he's a superstar and good things can happen if I'm around superstars? Or do we want to be around God because that's the only way I'm going to have the energy and the vision and the wisdom and the strength because I need to see how it's done and I need to take that strength in order to continue on that mission to do it myself. We have to make a choice, brothers and sisters. Like I said, not only one time in our life, every morning we get up, which side of that dividing line am I on today? Am I all in or am I not? Now, the second thing is, and I'll try to be uh, quicker. I said this was going to be a quicker uh, pod today. 
that whole idea of, of Joe, I mean, is Jesus really inviting us to hate or worse yet be indifferent to those things around us? I want, again, I'm, I'm going to steal this and, and bless uh, Sister Mary McGlone again because I, I'm going to steal an image she brought up because I love it. I love it. It was so neat. Um, I don't, listen, I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, there's something spiritual and blessed if you go home and hate your wife and children or you go home and hate your, your mother and father. I don't think that's it at all. I don't think Jesus is saying there's something blessed in, in being indifferent to them. But I think what, and, and again, this is Sister Mary who's saying this, I'm going to use, or she's going to use it, but I'm going to tell it to you, the image of the uh, Good Samaritan. That the Good Samaritan may have been out on an errand to get that oil, right? And to get that wine and to get that ointment. Uh, and he was supposed to come home with those because those were for his wife and his children. Because you know what? They have a right to those healing aids and ointments as well. And he was just going simply out to the supermarket, as it were, to, to get those things. And on his way back, when he had those things, he came upon this person who had been beaten within an inch of his life. And all of a sudden, the needs of the family faded into the background as opposed to the needs of the present moment. And that present moment was when he decided to pick up the, the person who had been beaten, to use that wine and that ointment and that oil to clean out the wounds and bring salve, uh, to bring healing to this person. And when he got home, then I'm sure the wife would be like, hey, where's the wine? Where's the ointment? Where is that, uh, that, that salve that you were going to go out and get? And, uh, and he said, you know what? Had to use it elsewhere. Now, does that mean that that wife, those children, weren't that important? Does he hate them or is he indifferent to them? No. But the, the, but the present moment was more important even than the ties to blood or to our schedule or to whatever it is that we are going to, that our God is saying, listen, it may be important for you to be at that meeting. It may be important for you to be uh, with those people over there because you promised that. Or it may be important to do whatever it is. But that present moment on your way to that meeting or to that, that engagement with those people that you promised or to your family, you may meet a moment. You may meet something that deserves and needs your attention, your time, your love, your presence. And in that space, we have a decision. Who gets my time and my presence and my resources? It's not a question of, I, I am indifferent, or I do not like those people because I'm going to blow them off now. It is a question of, at this moment, this is what I'm called to. Brothers and sisters, our God invites us to this dividing line. He invites us every day to say, do you want to be in the pool or not? If you don't, just be honest. That's okay. I can work with it. But don't try to, to you know, go halfway in and just pretend to everybody else and even yourself that you're, you're swimming fully. Which side of the dividing line will we be on today? And secondly, how can we open ourselves to the present moment and, and not be ruled 
by blood ties, not be ruled by schedules, not be ruled by any other thing that's out there that are good things. But be open to where God is moving in the present moment and use our wit, use our resources, use everything at our disposal in order to bring about salve, right? Healing, salvation for those in our presence. And of course, in doing so, for ourselves as well. All right, my friends, let's bring all this to prayer. Again, before we do that, remind me, let me remind you, excuse me, one word, one idea, one phrase. Hold on to it and let our God minister to you in the midst of that. So my friends, we move into the sorrowful mysteries now. And so we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first sorrowful mystery, the agony in the garden. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, bless you. May your September be filled with every good blessing, your weekend, your week ahead. I hope that you are held in the loving embrace of our God. Be well and God's peace.